0: This episode of the Three Drinks In podcast is brought to you by Paramount Home Entertainment's Younger and Emily in Paris, both available on DVD now. More about that later in the show. Okay, hey guys, and welcome to the Three Drinks In podcast, episode number 226. I am your host, Vince. Over there is your host, Phil. Hey. There's Phil. Uh, In this episode, we are talking about Ghostbusters Afterlife, um, the newest installment of the Ghostbusters franchise. Before we get started, I want to remind you to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen and do try to leave a rating or even a review. We'd really appreciate that. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Three drinksinpod in Pod. You can like us on Facebook and comments, compliments, and sponsor offers can be sent to Three Drinks in Podcast at gmail dot com. All right. I feel like my voice sounds funny because I have a cold. Uh,
1: yeah, you sound a little funny. Yeah, that's what happens. Well, that's dedication for you.
0: Oh yes. Come hell or high water, I'll do this as soon as I feel better, (laughs) because I couldn't do it last week, because I sounded like death. But, um,
1: speaking of death... (laughs) Death and ghosts.
0: And ghosts, so... So, I had an interesting experience with this movie, because a good friend of mine, um, actually works for the record label, um, that, uh... The main character of the movie has released a song and soon an album through. So um, McKenna Grace plays Phoebe um, in the movie, who's pretty much the main character. Um, we didn't quite know that going in, because uh, like, the poster just features like Paul Rudd right in the foreground there, and then the kid from um, Stranger Things, who just gets more awkward with time. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so they, um, there was like a private screening at, uh, at an Alamo, at an Alamo draft house in, uh, Manhattan and I got invited to go along with him as his plus one. And so I got to see the movie before anybody else, which was really neat. And I got to meet McKenna Grace, which was really nice too. And I got a, I got a fun hat, a little, little like, like warm hat that had her initials on it and a little signed stay puffed marshmallow man
1: and you're not wearing the hat now for some reason no I'm why are you not that. doing that <laughs> well, I, what is this <laughs> I,
0: well, well I'm cold now that I'm sitting in the, in the basement and the you know the heat should be on and I just didn't bother to turn on I wish I had the hat but I don't I'll go get it later <laughs> but um but it was fun and I forgot how much I absolutely love the Alamo draft taps because
1: they make delicious popcorn. And they're super comfortable seats. Uh, and they yeah, they have they buy have nice seats. Yeah. Beer. It's always nice.
0: And the beer. Yeah. Like I even got a beer too. I forgot, I forgot about that. But um but yeah, so that was a nice treat. I got to go with the with the good folks of Photo Finish Records yeah. and uh to see this movie. So it was uh, it was fun.
1: And it's cool. I, I, I I had <laughs> a miserable experience. <laughs> I love whoa, getting whoa, kicked whoa. in the nuts like this by you reminding me. <laughs> what happened when, good. You, when
0: you went to go? It's not my fault.
1: What no, you? you know what? It's nobody's fault. And it, it. I feel bad even complaining about it. But it's just <laughs> that like when you go to the movies and you go in the middle of the day or in the morning, more often than not, you'll be sitting in the theater with people who are unpleasant or... <laughs> This is not, to, they're not, the, these people were not unpleasant, or they were mentally handicapped and they come in a van and they have a couple of handlers there to help them because they want to see the film. And that's fine. But they never stop talking throughout uh... and they're unbelievably distracting. And so, like, uh, they were in the theater with me and they had a comment for everything. So, I. <laughs> wish to god i was sitting at home on my couch the whole time but you know whatever um that sucked but they enjoyed it so <laughs> and that's what's important know. yeah it's it's just a it's just a bummer when that happens so because it, it is distracting to me but and i didn't meet anybody or no one famous came to say hi to me so you know.
0: <laughs> so she actually has a um her new or her first uh, her first big single uh is the song you hear at as the credits roll like there's like the 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 first credit sequence where like they do like a fun thing and there's like then then there's like the the post the first post credit sequence and then the actual credits and that's when her song plays so it's uh,
1: okay it's yeah i do haunted. remember that
0: song yeah, yeah. it's got a haunted house it's pretty good i liked it mm. you know not my genre exactly, but
1: <laughs> but yeah, yes. yeah. But that's okay. It wasn't like you know. It was fine. Because I remember hearing that song, like, well, this is different from the other music in the movie, but whatever. <laughs> so
0: So Ghostbusters. I meant to send you a a video on uh on the YouTube that I saw the other day that I really thought was interesting so there's a guy who makes youtube videos about, about movies called patrick h willems yeah tell me about it yeah and did, did you happen to watch that The one uh, did? i did okay mm-hmm. so i've been trying to figure out both when i first heard about this movie i guess i mean hell so the main character was The actress is 15 years old now She was 12 when she made the movie Like that's how long ago this this movie got made It got pushed back because of COVID So we'd heard about this Ghostbusters and set somewhere In the prairie lands like three or four Years ago and it didn't Really make a lot of sense but I was trying to figure out at the time like What is it that makes Ghostbusters So unique And I kind of thought like The sort of like The approach to it that it's basically a movie about capitalism, you know, like these three sort of schlubby scientists start a business where they become exterminators. And it's about that. And the sequel, Ghostbusters 2, tried to do something a bit more sort of highfalutin with, you know, the whole pink goo as a metaphor for how awful... It was to live in New York at the time. And then the lady Lady Ghostbusters movies, which I didn't see, seemed to really want to hammer home a different theme entirely. But I was trying to figure out what made the original so special. And it turns out it's literally nothing because the movie isn't about anything. There is no sort of like overarching theme or sort of big idea. There's no character growth. There's, you know, the movie isn't about a sort of central core, which is a a, a, a redundant sentence. And so I'm just like, did did you agree with, with, so the the guy's essay was, or video video essay said, that the movie is great, but it's about nothing, because none of the characters go on any kind of a journey or change or are altered in any way, shape, or form, during the course of the film, there's four main characters. And they are the same at the end of, uh, of the film as they are at the beginning, except they're richer or just more successful in some capacity.
1: And I didn't—I was wondering what you thought of that thesis. I mean, yeah, it's basically—I I think it was overblown. Just plenty of movies that are like that, you know. But they're not the good, of- though. Indiana Jones is like that. You know, Indiana Jones is very much um, because, you know, the joke they were always doing on the Big Bang Theory is Indiana Jones has no bearing on the plot, which isn't true. But he doesn't go on any kind of journey either. He's he's pretty much the same. You know, I'm a guy who chase after artifacts. There's the one I really want. Am I willing to destroy it? Yeah, but I get it anyway. And then I don't get it. Like, he's basically the same guy. It's an adventure serial.
0: Yeah, I mean you know. I I will argue though that like he does have the 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 insight at the end of the film to realize that it's the desire for the ark that's going to be the downfall of all the people who are there all all the all the nazis. So if I you know, I've been chasing this thing to get it and then at, at the last second I'm going to deny you know seeing it
1: myself and that's what's going to save me it's a stretch, but that's more of like a survival instinct at that point. Like he knows that he's got to do that. If he wants to get out of it without having his face get melted. (laughs) But, you
0: know, but, but he also kind of, yeah, that's true. But he also realizes that like, I have to go against, because his instinct is to, is to watch it. He wants to see, you can see him tied to that thing. Like, I, okay, let's, at least I get to see this thing before I die. And then he goes, wait a minute. If I don't look at it, I, if yeah. i you know you know then i because then
1: because then at the end when they take it from him he's all mad like he wants it so he can yeah it. You i know, know it's that's, like that's why the,
0: the whole thing falls apart when that great
1: scene <laughs> and yeah I, and i'm not gonna say that indiana jones is not in the top <laughs> 10 like movies of all time for most people because it's a great fun film and ghostbusters is the same way like it gets away with not having any giant character arcs and stuff because it's just a damn hilarious movie. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's just funny. Like here's a bunch of scenarios with a, with a plot line running through it. That's funny because the, the guys in it are funny. I mean, you just happen to have this combination of sorry, Ernie Hudson, but the other three. Yeah. And, and they just happen to be hysterical and it's like a once in a lifetime thing.
0: I mean, it, but, and like it, we, we watched it on, on Halloween. <laughs> And I really forget just how funny, you know. He goes like, "Egon, this is like that time you tried to drill, drill a, hole, a hole in your head." And without pausing, he goes, "That would have worked if you hadn't stopped me." Uh, yeah, and I was just like, "Wait, what?" He's uh, like, "It's like he's convinced he was, you know, he was robbed of some kind of breakthrough by drilling a hole in his head." It's
1: just, yeah, really and, and like every other line is like that. You know. Yeah. go get a ray, which <laughs> <laughs> always makes me crack up. Like we got to do something and Billy Murray just go get a Ray and they'll just stare at him and they go like they nod real slow up and down like you got this you're good you know it, the whole thing is ridiculous. I feel so funky. Yeah. <laughs> every, like,
0: every line is like that it's just it's it's it really and so like yeah I think that there's the there's so much going on in terms of like all the information that they have to give. And there's so much comedy being written into it that I think you're right. Like, there's no you know plot line that gets in the way. I think if you tried to give them a like a character arc where one of them is a better scientist or a better person by the end of the movie, it would just get. It would literally be an obstacle to have to overcome to get to to the next funny line. And I don't think you can make movies like that anymore. And like I I'd always kind of thought like, well the film celebrates a successful business and nobody wants to watch a movie about that anymore. And not that they really had a whole lot of them in the, you know, in the eighties either, but it was part of the, of the landscape of, you know, in, in the culture is to, you know, this idea of just the way the economy was, you know, at the time that storyline was plausible. And, you know, Reaganomics and what have you. I don't know. But I always thought that that was the reason you couldn't make a movie like that anymore because you, you people really expect there to be some kind of a journey for everyone to go on. Like you can't just tell a good yarn. And I'm trying to think of a more recent film, you know, in this millennia that that, that does that successfully, and I can't think of one. <laughs> don't know if you can.
1: Eh... Uh... Not really. I I just looked at it as like a silly workplace comedy. I mean, uh, you know, it was a great example of lightning hitting once and that's it. Because even the second Ghostbusters was funny, but it wasn't not like hysterical. They, they tried to know? shoehorn like something into it.
0: I mean, maybe no country for old men. I don't think anybody really changes in that, that movie at all which is sort of the point of the movie is that nothing ever changes and that this is what it is and everyone thinks it's always, it's never been worse. It's never, like it's 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 always getting worse and there's the great scene at the end where the guy goes to see the old guy and he's like, yeah, it's always been terrible. There's always been awful stuff that happens to people for no reason and we cannot explain it. So the staticness yeah. of that might be something close to it, but it's a very different kind of movie.
1: Mm-hmm. So so, what does this have to do with the new one? So this is n-
0: basically nothing like that whatsoever. It's literally the ex- no, not the exact opposite, but it leans so hard into you know character growth and development that there's l- almost no room for anything else. You know, like there's no you know, it's billed as, like, being, like, an ensemble cast, and it's it's not. Like, there's a bunch of people in the movie, but Paul Rudd is, like, a minor character. And, like, the mom, who's, who's uh, the actor's name I don't know, you know, is just sort of a minor character, and the kid from Stranger Things takes a backseat to the girl that, you know, up until this, this movie nobody had ever heard of. She's, like, she'd been in a bunch of movies. I I, I can't say that, like, I... Uh, like she wasn't a well-known a commodity, not by a long shot. She's been in a bunch of movies, and she was in um, the uh, The Handmaid's Tale. My, my wife knew who she was right away. But as far as like you know, a property as big as Ghostbusters and a, a name as big as Paul Rudd and Stranger Things, like she was the underdog as far as you know getting attention for this. And she so she becomes the main character, and then. That doesn't leave a whole lot of room for anybody else to have any kind of, you know, screen time or growth or anything. And that's fine. But it's just, you know, the introduction of that, of that kind of storytelling into this IP, you know, gives you a very different kind of movie. You know, did you like the movie?
1: Um, I didn't. I didn't hate it, though, the way some people seem to be hating it. I I didn't think it was that good either, though. I was bored for most of it. Hmm. Um, I'd say 95% of it. <laughs> it was boring. <laughs> so an
0: overwhelming majority of the film you were uninterested. In. I, I was just sitting there and I
1: was like, you know. So the thing with this movie is that it's Ghostbusters with a coat of Stranger Things plastered over it. And neither of those things do I want to see. So I've already seen Ghostbusters and it's great. And I don't want to watch another version of it. You know, like the sequel wasn't that good. The one with the women in 2016, the less said, the better. Okay. So, but this is basically Ghostbusters. It's the same thing with children. And I have no affinity for Stranger Things at all. And Stranger Things... No, listen. Now, Stranger (laughs) Things is already aping 80s movies. That was the thing about that. Okay, It's it's imitating movies like E.T. and Goonies and Lost Boys. You know, like stupid 80s movies where parents vanish and the kids have this own life of their own where they deal with wacky, supernatural, strange things. I don't like those movies. I was too young for them. When you miss the boat and you watch them as adults, you realize how stupid they are. You know, Goonies is a stupid movie. (laughs) Sorry, everyone. And, you know, and so was Lost Boys and all those other movies. So, like, when everyone's like, oh, you got to watch Stranger Things. I'm like, I don't give a shit about Stranger Things. I don't care about 80s homages and monsters in the closet. Like, I think that's dumb. Like, I missed the boat on that. I have no... Um, nostalgic affinity for that sort of thing so having this movie look like that but still just being regular ghostbusters with children i was like i know everything that's going to happen here everything is already predetermined and the callbacks and everything are dumb and boring so like i was just bored the only thing i liked was that podcast kid (laughs) he was funny (laughs) yeah i liked him he was good so every time he said something stupid i I, like i giggled a little bit (laughs) but everything else like you know like when they were hunting the ghosts and oh you know what's this under the ground oh it's a gozer thing i was like i've seen this already done better earlier so uh, I, i don't know why everyone's i can only chalk up everyone loving it to you know nostalgia but I don't have that, so I was like, yeah, this is okay."
0: Is it getting a lot of hate? I I haven't been paying too much attention because I saw it like a week earlier than most people, and so I I didn't you know watch reviews as they came in. But I I, yeah. I get the sense from like glancing and stuff that people are very divided on it.
1: I think it's either like you really really like it because it affirms the fact that you played with Ghostbusters toys, or you think it's another piece of crass nostalgia bait. You know, especially like the last 20 minutes or so where I was just like, oh, my God, we're doing this. Like, why yeah. do these old men need to be here? And and then they shove in Harold Ramis's CGI ghost. And I was like, oh, man, this is really like, yeah. uh-uh, uh-uh, man. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but some people loved it. I thought it was great.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I liked the movie. I... I think I had because no, I'd I'd never seen Lady Ghostbusters because I think that was like one of the two movies that you and Greg watched when um, when my son Frank was born and um, I had taken off like a, you know a, a, a couple of months off the podcast to you know not sleep, um, but I'm, I was always kind of glad that I missed it because it really you guys hated it and a lot, a lot of people I know oh, hated it, was. it. It was. Awful! I almost walked out of that movie. (laughs) Yeah, which is saying something. Um, So, like, the bar was set pretty low for me. Just because, like, A, that most recent iteration of the IP was not well received. Because I know that even the second one made with, you know, the original cast in the 80s wasn't that great. And so, like, I kind of figured... They hit the nail on the head in 84, and that was that. Like, okay, great. We got it. Like, and it's just a difficult thing to replicate. Um, Because, like, if you have a story where guys don't really go on any kind of a journey, they can't not go on it twice. Like, it just doesn't make a lot of sense at that point. So, I just... I didn't have much in the way of expectations for this to be any good. And, like, the first... So it's like two hours long. So the first hour and a half of it were pretty entertaining. I thought, like, it's not surprising. It's like you know, the all the all the beats of the movie are sort of predictable and they make sense, but they're well executed. You know, the you know the the opening sequence was was definitely reminiscent of what we'd seen before, but it was it was scary and like I like that you didn't know what was going on, but you were kind of piecing, piecing together who was supposed to be whom and um there you know there was just just a lot that was fun about it and if you you know didn't mind the fact that they just were just taking something just to sh- you know and then making all the easter eggs they could possibly make out of it then you got to watch one of these sort of fun kids do grown up things movies from the 80s with this veneer over it and that that was fine like it was fun to watch them kind of like the kids have no idea that this happened in 84 but paul rudd knows all about it so he becomes like us in the you know for a while like oh look a trap and oh look a proton pack and you know like there's the kid perspective like like the kids who are now adults perspective of, of what's going on and then there's you know, the you know the, the very serious and I thought she was very talented the girl um who who played Phoebe I thought, I thought she she did you know she was she was good it was kind of hard to play kind of like a half Vulcan there and still maintain some sense of humanity I, I thought like she carried the movie pretty well considering that she didn't get any help from anybody else because they it was her and podcast and that was it and they were a fun little duo like I, they were just they were they, they were fun to watch. Mm-hmm. So, like, overall, I thought, I thought it was good. And then the ending happened, and I'm like, what in the world is happening here? Like, when they get arrested, things start to take a turn, I think, at that point. Like, all of a sudden, like, the, the you know, that's probably, like, like the halfway point. Where so, so, they they have to break out of jail and go after the thing, and... And then it becomes such a blatant homage to the original that it's and it's sort of hard to take it seriously at that point. And then when the, the four geriatrics or the, well, four, I guess, show up, three and a half, then I don't even know what's going on anymore. Like this is really a shame. I I feel like they they don't need to be there, and it steals the thunder away from the people who are already in the movie
1: yeah yeah you know i was watching the the red letter media guys and they hated it absolutely hated it and they they're not wrong in their some of their criticisms you know like because the movie needs to follow the plot of that first one with the children and as close as it can it becomes really contrived like some things they start to notice and bother and get bothered by like when they see ghosts and strange phenomena and some things they don't, you know? So like when the girl has the chess board out in her room and suddenly she wakes up one morning and one of the chess pieces has moved and she goes, that's strange. And she starts to like move the pieces and she starts playing chess with a ghost and it's weird and you're like, oh, that's kind of spooky. And like, that was really well done. And then the next thing, you know, doors open and lights flicker on and like they start leading her places and she just shrugs like, yeah, that's normal. And she's not the only character that does that. Like other characters just start doing things randomly and then ignoring things too, when they just need to happen, which is stupid. That's, that's stupid. That's not how things go. And they absolutely hated the last 20 minutes, of course. And the one guy just said, you know, at what point because we've been remaking everything now the last 20, 30 years, do we put this stuff away and say, we're done? When does this generation grow up and say, you know what? I don't need another Ghostbusters anymore. And like, there's, there's a little bit too much to that, but at the same time, I I kind of understand that question. Oh yeah. (laughs) You know, like I know these Marvel movies aren't really made for me. They're made for 15 year olds. But like, I'll give you an example. This new Spider-Man's coming out in a month or a couple of weeks or whatever. And everyone's making this big deal that Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man is going to be a cameo and Andrew Garfield and and all these other things. And like, who's that for? That's for me. Because Spider-Man came out in 2000, 2001, when I was 15. And I'm supposed to sit here and be excited about that. Like, wow, they got my old Spider-Man back and this and that. I'm sitting here thinking to myself, you know, being a functioning adult, I don't really care. What, what do I? I have that movie. I don't need to keep seeing it. I'm an adult. It's okay if I don't keep watching Spider-Man movies. I'm not saying you need to watch, you know, black and white French cinema here. I'm just saying, at a certain point, you shouldn't be overly excited about these sorts of things. You got to let these things go. How many Ghostbusters remakes do we need here? So, like, seeing a Ghostbusters movie with this new cast, and then they shove the old cast in there, and we're just going to redo the original movie. Really? Does that really need to be done? Can't we come up with anything new? And if we can't, shouldn't we just let it go? But but people don't want to hear that sort of thing. So uh, I don't know. I don't know what I was trying to get to, but it was disappointing, I think.
0: I mean, it's sort of a chicken or the egg thing, like one of the things that you know, Steve Jobs got a lot of flack for and some of this was rightly, you know, he got, you know, appropriately so, was that he would think of an idea and say, I think people would like this product. And someone says, no, they wouldn't. They don't want that. They want this instead. And he's like, no, they don't. We're going to show them what they actually want because they've actually never thought of it before. They don't know it exists. And in some cases he was right. So like when they built their first computer, they built the the Apple II. They built it with all kinds of things that they thought people would want. And they sold that computer to people who, who already liked computers. And Steve Jobs was like, let's make the next one not something that you tinker with, but it's something that we can sell to other people who don't have computers. And it, for the most part, worked out well because he broadened the market to include everybody else. And then he started to just do that with everything. And Apple is now in this mode of like kind of backtracking on this whole thing. We'll tell you what you want. You don't want a a headphone jack. You want to buy AirPods. You don't want this. You want to buy these things instead. And so they're 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 in a process now of like adding back to their products features that were discontinued because they thought people didn't want them anymore, and it turns out that they did. So sometimes that works, and sometimes it doesn't. Now we have people making movies who are like, people want to watch Ghostbusters, because they know it, and they love it, and they're going to want to see more of it. So let's just make more of it and keep going. And they and this is to guarantee audience. We don't want to give them new stuff, because they're not going to want to see that. They're not going to take the risk to go see that. But I wonder if now it's becoming the opposite. Like what, Like for a while it was, you know, the, the reliance on old IP was really helpful and it got people in the door. But I wonder at what point what used to be true was no longer true when you actually have to go and find something new and creative, you know, to get people to leave the house again. Because if all you're giving them is this i think we've got two choices we're either going to they'll they'll lose money and have to make new stuff or they'll make just enough money to keep it going and choke off any new talent or ideas that are flying around out there like but they
1: you know they have
0: to they have to change it can't continue like this if we're to develop if this medium is to develop as an art form, I think it will just stop, you know? And, you know, if, if you don't respond to what people want, you know, or, like, you know, be creative, like, just, I don't know, like, if you don't respond to something, then you're just, you know, you're just going to wallow in your own
1: decadence forever, I think. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean it was an okay time at the movies, but I, and what I was sitting there thinking too. Is this a good movie if you've never seen the original Ghostbusters?
0: I actually think that like depending on who you are Yeah. Like if you're if you're now twelve to fourteen or sixteen or whatever <coughs> excuse me guys <coughs> Um like you kind of have basically the same experience that you and I did. Like, it's a little fun adventure romp with kids for about an hour and ten minutes. And yeah, there's question marks as to how things work and, you know, inconsistencies with how they, they interact with the premise of the environment. But, like, we're just as confused and annoyed and bored by the presence of the four old geezers at the end of the movie as the... F- 12 year old going to see it for the first time like he has no idea who you know Ray Stans is or Peter Venkman or you know any of these guys he doesn't like they don't resonate to him at all and they resonate to us but it just looks weird having you know uh what's his name Dan can't think of his last name Dan Aykroyd Dan Aykroyd god good lord I mean like saggy old Dan Aykroyd who's just like falling the skin is falling off his bones like, it's it's the worst part of the movie for us. It's the worst part. Of, it's, it's the most boring part for them too. So, like, you know, they enjoyed it as much as we did. It just we have a perspective on it that's a little bit different. But you know, we, the story kind of hits all the, all all the same points for them as it is for us, just from a different point of view. If that if that makes any sense.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, like. when they show up and there's this like triumphant music and like the camera lingers on them and i know who they are but if you don't they're just a couple of older guys from the youtube videos that she's watching earlier in the film and they just appear basically out of nowhere like they're really shoehorned in because like you know, they, they barely know anything. I mean, it just doesn't match up with what they say and what they do. So it was like, you know, if I'm if I've never seen this movie before, and every other thing is an Easter egg, it's like, am I am I going to understand what's going on or why? I don't know. Like, no, even, oh, no, it's you know, that's purely
0: like, for like that. I mean, their entrance is insane when you know when taken out of context, like. Why would the introduction of these three, you know, seniors or senior citizens cause so much fanfare? Like it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It's only if you know who, you know who, who who they are from the other movies does this have any sort of resonance. So in that regard, yeah, no, it's it's probably worse for the kids who don't know what's going on. But like it's still the like the most boring part of the movie i think this is all, who are these people what are they doing here
1: yeah it's you know and also cuz they're old they just have like one moment and then they get knocked over and they just sit there <laughs> like they don't end up doing really anything i was like okay they are old they're in their 70s and stuff so it's fine yeah no
0: they're not they're not young men so All right. We just want to take a second here and thank our sponsor, Paramount Home Entertainment's Younger and Emily in Paris, both available now on DVD. In Younger, 40, divorced and with a teenage daughter, Liza Miller couldn't figure out the next move until she was flirted with by a 20-something tattoo artist, Josh, who took her for around his age. She went for it. Fudging her birth date to land a job with a Manhattan publisher and her efforts to keep up the workplace pose-fueled Darren Starr's dramedy that aired on TV Land over 2015 and 2021. Emily in Paris debuted on Netflix in 2020. This comedy-drama series from Sex in the City creator Darren Starr focuses on Chicago 20-something Emily Cooper as she relocates to Paris for a job in, with the marketing company Saver. Hired for her American outlook, can Emily forge new personal and professional relationships in the City of Lights? Both of these these are available now on DVD, so go scoop yours up soon. All right, so there were a thousand Easter eggs in this movie. Can you think of five that you actually thought were kind of clever?
1: Five? (laughs) Five. (laughs) We're going to go with five uh okay <laughs> that's that seems like a lot <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say one <laughs> um, uh, no, I don't know I mean they were just there uh, I mean was I supposed to think they were clever?
0: I don't know I mean, some of them were more subtle than others, and so like. I enjoyed the asymmetrical book stacking.
1: Did you catch that one? The, the, that's the big stack of books in the, like his living room or whatever. Right. Yeah,
0: and that's a line from the first movie when they're when they when they're in the library and Egon goes asymmetrical book stacking. You know, whatever. Just like the. Bloody, like re- references something in the past, and and Beckman goes, Oh, yeah, no normal human would stack books like this. Like, it was, yeah, yeah. You know, so, it's See, like, stuff like
1: I- so many of those things were just silly lines that were just for done as a gag. That, that, when they were thrown in there as Easter eggs, I'm like, Is that really what would happen, though? Like, when she opens up the, the glove compartment and there's a Twinkie in there
0: okay so then there's those then there's like the really sort of awful shoehorned ones that are dumb like the old like there's a candy bar wrapper in his old outfit yeah the crunch bar wrapper he was a pretty fastidious guy you mean to tell me he hung on to a candy bar wrapper for 40 years
1: yeah and that was a throwaway <laughs> thing too bill murray just screwing around and giving them a, a candy bar and, you know, i mean like
0: the i guarantee you that wasn't even even in the script that was just bill murray being like you know here's a funny thing i could do so yeah there was tons of bad ones i mean like one of the ones i heard pointed out was like so like the dress that um sigourney weaver is wearing when she's uh you know (sighs) like i just assumed that that was a dress that sigourney weaver's character had in her closet because it was the 80s and this is what you wore when you went out clubbing but no it's the same dress that the that the the mom wears when she becomes
1: Zool in this one like really the dress is the same like i think we missed the point like, but how come Paul Rudd's clothes didn't change?
0: Right. Like, this is sort of where I'm at with this. I was like, just I think we're missing the fact, like, so like that was a dumb homage—the Twinkie, the candy bar. Um, I'm trying to think of what else was stupid. <laughs> there was lots of other dumb things, but I was trying to find like, is the 'cause because there were so many times I was like, oh yeah, that's a thing, oh that's a thing that too that's a thing like every 5 seconds there was something that they could reference
1: and yeah and while well, some were subtle and then some were like ob- obnoxious, like the stay puff marshmallow man the little the little people like what's the point of having them there oh well i mean like they come to life why why just them well because of
0: some there's a connection between the you know between the the, the gozer from two, from 84 and the gozer that's showing up there now and so like that's not much of a stretch for me like some kind of a, you know it's it's all magic so you can kind of make a connection with that however you see fit it's the same dogs it's the same you know key master and the gatekeeper and the whole thing and so like if they're still making first of all i have a hard time believing that the stay puffed marshmallow company is still in business after what happened in 84 (laughs) You know, I can't imagine what that we what that did to, to, to the stock price. So,
1: but um, yeah, I, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I also enjoyed the cameo by um, what's his name. Uh, he was in Whiplash.
0: Oh, uh, J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons. Which I didn't actually catch before he got ripped in half.
1: I know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed it right away because it looked so stupid. Like he had like a Captain Crunch mustache on. And I was like, hey, it's J.K. Simmons. And then she rips him in half. And I was like, oh, there goes J.K. Simmons. <laughs> like, Sure, okay.
0: So I am curious, though, what you thought of the overall premise like forget the homages and forget sort of the you know i i got not about forget the style or like the, the the you know the 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 new characters and and the new approach but like the whole sort of structural idea that egon becomes obsessed with figuring out who Shan evo evo shandor yeah was and you know how that building got constructed and you know like just the whole sort of like structural apparatus of the plot which rests on this mine in Oklahoma and you know all that like what 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 was your take on this basically how they could find the foundations to tell a story that involved these characters
1: again Uh it felt like a stretch Because it was like, how do we get this character everyone knows from the first movie into this movie? Because they defeated this this evil being mostly by accident. And it was important that it was in New York City. Like The building was important. It was built out of certain kind of materials that would help facilitate this being being, um, returned to the earth or whatever. And so it was like, well, how do we get this character back in? And it's like, well... What if the guy who owned the building had his materials dug up somewhere in the middle of nowhere and shipped to New York? And I was like, okay, like that's not far-fetched. That's that's possible, I suppose. But then, like, suddenly in the mine, they also had like a little temple where this thing could suddenly appear again. And I was like, Okay, well, this is this is clearly just shoehorning this in, you know, like if you want to have an evil character out in the middle of nowhere you, you can do that there's other ways around it but they they felt that they had to go with the same evil deity that they had the first time which i, I found it a little bit odd you know like in the second one they had the, the the evil guy trapped in the painting and it's also magic mumbo jumbo you can you can make that fly anywhere so i don't know why they just they felt that they had to sort of use the same villain the first time yeah, yeah. I, I think I, it would have been more sense if they'd pick something new.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, on the one hand, yeah, I think newer is always better in 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 this context. But at the same time, it's just like, what would have driven him to do that? Like what would have driven Egon all the way out there to the middle of nowhere to set up a, you know, a crazy apparatus like he had? And, like, I think that's the sort of thing that kind of gets glossed over because the, the actor is no longer with us and so it makes it harder. But, like, the... The interesting story to me is not so much Phoebe's in a way, it's her mother's. And that story kind of gets relegated to the back seat where it's like, there's this kind of really nice scene when she finds the secret room with all the ghost busting stuff. And she discovers that he was, you know, keeping tabs on her throughout her childhood you know he was counting freckles and doing all the like so all these kind of dad type things that you know she assumed he didn't care about her. that's why he left. Turns out he was trying to save the world again on his own and um you know, and even though he was doing that, he still you know wanted to maintain a connection to his daughter. And so I guess like the only reason I felt that the choice of having it be the same threat again was strong was because it's, it's having faced that threat once before in '84, he's he knows how terrifying and terrible it was, and so he's going to go out there to make sure it doesn't happen again, kind of a thing. So, which is an easier sell, I think, than saying, "Oh, we got a new threat out there in Oklahoma that I got to leave my wife and kids for." to go protect I, the world
1: from i think that's why that it, it didn't work because i and like she has that phone call to dan Aykroyd, and it's super awkward where he just dumps exposition on her for no reason yeah. you know and he's like oh well here's what really happened and like okay this no one would say this but it's hard to believe that they would have that kind of falling out and that one ghostbuster believes that a ghost is coming and the other ghostbusters don't believe him like, well, you're not gonna, yeah, you're not gonna trust him that, that he thinks it's the end of the world and he becomes this weirdo recluse. That's like everyone knew he was a, a weirdo loner and he was crazy, he believed in ghosts, but like they never called each other, they didn't talk about it, they all went their separate ways. Like, that was less believable than the ghosts, yeah. Like,
0: again, everything involving the old guys was weak. The only thing that I thought was relatively strong was the fact that. They use Egon to get themselves out to Oklahoma to tell the story, and then he dies. Like that's actually a pretty good opening scene, I thought. Too, he flies out of the out of the mine, and he tries to you know chase down, and he's being chased by the thing, and he tries to trap them, and it doesn't work, and then he dies. Like that's a very strong opening, I felt. But um, yeah, anything involving Ray and you know and Bill Murray, and it it just yeah. the exposition's not necessarily necessary. So that was the
1: thing, like, and then the mom is this awful, miserable, he abandoned me kind of person. And if that's what they wanted, you know, they had to just sort of force that on her and be like, well, he never, he didn't raise their kids because he left them and he went to Oklahoma. And it's like, I'm not saying he can't be a bad dad, but does he have to be a complete deadbeat recluse weirdo? It, it just doesn't jibe with what, what we knew was the character yeah you know. also who was her mom who's mom oh the, I don't know yeah well, you don't know and that, that,
0: like that, a... that to me was like a weird plot hole like Annie Potts shows up in the beginning Annie Potts is the one that has a crush on him in the first movie and I I mean I guess she goes out with Lewis by the second movie the Rick Moranis character
1: Uh, yeah mostly it's it's
0: not her but like i don't know i was confused as to who her mother was supposed to be
1: well that's a little thought they gave it because they were like she only sits there complaining about her dad and i'm like didn't she have a mother but the mother doesn't come up and like she even has her own children and she like barely mentions her own husband who was a deadbeat father like you think that would be a bigger deal too Like, I was abandoned by my father, and now my husband is abandoning his children. And she only, like, mentions it offhandedly to Paul Rudd. And I'm just like, look, if we're not going to do this, then don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) Because the first Ghostbusters didn't. But this one is, like, awkwardly shoehorning in drama that doesn't need to be there because they're not following up on it, uh, you know. Yeah. But Podcast was cute, so. (laughs) Yeah, he was cute.
0: And I did like the fact that, like, he's like you know like ray stands is is his one listener
1: oh yeah that yeah. was pretty clever he's <laughs> like oh my god that's you you're my you're my fan like <laughs> that, that's what i imagine when people always tell me they listen to this i'm like oh you're the one. Oh okay yeah like, yeah like, that one know. that one hit close home. <laughs>
0: so i don't know this is it's still fun The last few minutes with the old people are dumb, but like it's a fun movie. I thought, yeah, I thought that you know the kid who played podcast was good. McKenna Grace was good in it. You know she, you know the whole awkward thing where she's telling the joke to the uh, to the Sumerian god. I'm like, this is stupid, but like you have to have a lot of personality to play that part.
1: Uh, Yeah, I think my favorite joke that wasn't with podcast was um, when she's in the like his secret lab and she's looking at all the tech and she's talking to him as a ghost he's not yeah. there he's just moving everything around and she's just like how did you manage to build this thing in this little tiny jetpack or whatever and the light like turns towards the wall and there's like all his degrees are on the wall <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> oh yeah you're a genius like <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was pretty yeah. funny yeah so but like yeah, it was good I-, I wouldn't see it again
0: <laughs> no, I mean I no I I don't need to see it again. Like it's I think this is about as good as it gets if you have to include all of this nostalgia. Like if you have to make sure that you hit every single mark. Then then yeah, it's it's fine. It's certainly, you know, it's definitely it's like an action-adventure romp thing with kids. But yeah. And like can you make a good Ghostbusters movie? I don't think so I think that I mean I should say can you make a better one? I don't think so I think this is, might be as good as it gets slightly maybe here and there don't put these people in there and make a different choice here but like ultimately you're not going to get close to anywhere anywhere close to the first movie so my my question is why would you try? why would you not just like come up with new stuff and like, or even take the whole idea in a different direction and not rely so much on the on the nostalgia.
1: That's possible. I don't know. I'm not a screenwriter. I mean, the, the Red Letter Media guys were saying, and they were right, because this is what I grew up with, was people are... There's a certain group of people who remember the film, and there's a bigger group of people that remember the cartoon show, and the yeah, toys, and the merchant, like, all of that stuff. And, like, that was bigger for people my age because I was born in the 80s, so I was too young to see in the movie and understand it but i remember the cartoon very well it ran for years it was very popular you know we we had ghostbusters merch like i don't i didn't look at it as like the start of some franchise thing it was like a, a silly flash in the pan movie and they made a cartoon show out of it you know so that's what most people are remembering when they think of ghostbusters like you you don't build a franchise out of like the count of monte cristo here you know like some (laughs) things aren't meant to have a cinematic universe so i i don't think i don't think they can make any more ghostbusters as good and they certainly should stop trying (laughs) yeah i think i mean
0: it's worth the it's worth the effort everybody in it was good they just like you know playing with a stacked deck you can't you know it's, it's,
1: it's just not that easy to do so i don't know what they you know what are they gonna do now they've used up everything so i mean they, they squeezed every ounce of nostalgia of that first film into this one so yeah and
0: they, i mean it's doing well i think you know financially it's you know it's basically built for kids it's a kids movie you know, it's got some scares in it, but ultimately, it's still like a you know a, a movie for like the you know the nine to seventeen year olds, and so that's going to drive a lot. They'll probably make another one in, in in a few years, but um, but yeah, I mean, new ideas are good too. <laughs> that, that would be nice.
1: That would be nice. Yeah. All right,
0: one of these days. Well. If you guys out there have some thoughts about Ghostbusters that you want to share, you can let us know on Twitter and Instagram. We are at 3drinksinpod on both. Uh, You can like us on Facebook and you can send us emails to 3drinksinpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you're listening and leave ratings and reviews, please. That's it? Yeah, that's it. All right. As always, please drink responsibly and we'll talk to you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye. You walk out
2: the door, then you walk back in. The second it's cold outside. And you see, I've got something to give. And I'd give it to you a hundred times over till you screw me over. Just like the last time, saying it was the last time. I beat the price, staying alone in my room after what happened, in June. I'm thinking I left really you. And maybe I still do. But I think you're honestly something I needed to lose No, it's not healthy, it doesn't help me, but I do it anyways Looking at photos, reading the letters that you gave me I could never throw them out Cause a ghost never leaves a haunted house (laughs) not with me No, it's not healthy It doesn't help me But I do it anyways Looking at photos Reading the letters That you gave me I could never throw them out Cause a ghost never leaves a haunted house